Support for the unofficial Shopify podcast comes from our friends at Bold Apps. So if you've ever used the Starbucks app, you know how addicting their loyalty program could be. I gotta get those stars. And what if you could bring that same gamification to your own store? With Bold Apps loyalty points, you can. It's the first true loyalty points app for Shopify, where customers can earn points when they shop and redeem them when they buy. It even lets you create loyalty member tiers that earn or redeem points at different rates, just like Starbucks. So if you want to try loyalty points out for free for two months, just go to ecommerce-bootcamp.com bold to get started today. Additional support for the unofficial Shopify podcast comes from SEO Manager. You know the benefit of SEO. The higher you rank in search engines, the more visitors your store will have. And more visitors means more sales, which means more money in your pocket. But how do you do that? That's where SEO Manager comes in. It helps Shopify store owners get found in search engines. And it's trusted by thousands of Shopify stores. It leads the market in both innovation and usability. And it's no wonder. SEO Manager adds an entire suite of tools to help attract new customers by fully optimizing your store. So here's a few of my favorites. It scans your site for SEO issues, offers keyword suggestions, adds structured data support, analyzes missing pages and redirects, and it even integrates with Kit, Shopify's personal marketing assistant. And that's not all. It does a whole bunch of more stuff. All of these things will help you to be easily found in Google and other search engines. And best of all, it's easy to get started. You can launch SEO Manager on your store in minutes, and their friendly support team is always on standby if you need help. Plus, as a special offer to our listeners, you can get SEO Manager right now for 10% off forever. Sign up at seomanager.com unofficial. That's seomanager.com unofficial. Hello and welcome back to the unofficial Shopify podcast. I'm your host, Kurt Elster, recording from EtherCycle headquarters, about 10 minutes from O'Hare Airport, if you're familiar. And today I'm talking to a, a wonderful seven-year-old e-commerce store owner. Um, well, the store is seven years old. The owner is not seven years old, I should say. I should be specific. Um, but no, I've got, uh, we've got this app called Crowdfunder, and I get, you know, it, it's not the easiest thing to install if you're not familiar with HTML. So people ask me, hey, Kurt, can you install this thing for me? And I say, yes, of course. And in doing that, I always get to check out some interesting stores. Um, and in this case, I said, gee, this seems, I was looking at a store, it was called Pad and Quill, and I thought, this seems awfully familiar. Um, and so I went, I searched my email, and sure enough, I had bought an iPad case from Pad and Quill in 2011. So I reached out and I said, I, I act like this seems familiar because it is familiar. I used to have your case um, on like my, my first gen iPad. And I would love to hear your story. This looks like a, a fascinating brand. Um, they were in the process of moving to Shopify Plus. So I, I wanted to hear that story. So joining me today is Brian Holmes, who is the president and owner of Pad and Quill. He started in 2010 with his wife, Carrie. And uh, prior to running Pad and Quill, he was a tradesman for over 16 years. We'll find out in what. And he and Carrie have been married for almost 27 years. Congratulations. It is so much easier to do this with a supportive family. And doing it with family helps. Um, but Brian, thank you for joining us. Kurt, thank you for having <laughs> us on. I appreciate it having me on. I um, my only question is, you've only bought in one case since 2011, Kurt. What's going on? <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's see. I had <laughs> so for the longest time, I just had the the standard iPad case on there, and then uh, one of my kids dropped it on the kitchen tile floor uh, like two or three years ago, and we have not had an iPad since. someday, ah. 
someday I'll get around to buying another iPad. Yes, well, you're right. I'm not seven years old. I'm uh, I'm almost fifty, uh, but I've been doing this for seven years. That is very correct. good. So, yeah. what is, for our listeners, what is Pad and Quill? So, Pad and Quill is a um, we are a, a luxury accessory maker. So, we design and uh, craft luxury goods for tech and play. That's kind of what we like to say. They're durable goods. They're artisan made. Those those two those four words are very important to us. Uh, we don't want to make anything that um, is going to fade away within a year and uh, break down, et cetera. So all of our all of our products come with longer warranties, and then they want we want them to be very well made as far as what we call good art. So when we make a product, to us it should be both beautiful and functional because you can have a lot of products out there that are really nice to look at, but they don't last. Or they're really, really functional, but they're just ugly. Right. So what we're trying to do is 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 create these kind of beautiful leather bags, iPad cases, you know, MacBook cases, things like that that are unique, uh, but also provide a function, provide a, a utility, uh, and are durable. They last a long time. So that's kind of been our focus. Uh, we're a typical company that when we started, we started one place and ended up somewhere else. Uh, that's very common. Uh, in startup stories, that the products you started with aren't always the products you you end up making five years later. So, so it's uh, somewhere along the line you had to pivot. So how did you going back to the beginning? How did you start Pen Quill? Well, yeah, and so, what was your first product? Yeah, so we started with twelve hundred dollars, and I <laughs> very painted, good. I painted my web designer's deck, <laughs> and she 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 painted it. She still works with us. She's still a consultant, Kathy. She paint she made our our website. It was a she coded it on, I can't remember where it was coded, what platform. Um, I think it was WordPress. And, and we started an original, uh, she, she built it all. All I knew is that I had seen a product out in San Francisco by a company called Dodo Case. Dodo Case, so, another so Shopify make, store. Yeah, they, make a, they made a wood and book case. And I saw what they were doing and I thought, my word, we, we could do this, but we could do more than what they're doing. We could do like MacBook cases and, and, and iPhone cases and all kinds of stuff. So that kind of was the inspiration. So we took the $1,200. I paid a photographer far less than he deserved. Uh, he still works with me today. Now he's making money. But he, he, he knew we didn't have a lot, so he gave me a deal. We built four prototypes, and we put up the site. It was in late June of 2010 and just started reaching out to the press saying, hey, we've got these products they're on pre-order. They'll deliver in six weeks. You know, basically help us fund this in, in many ways. Uh, reach out to everyone you can think of. Some Wired. I was talking to Walt Mossberg at the Wall Street Journal who turned me down, of course. <laughs> uh, but, but what happened was we got picked up by a couple of people. So Gadget Lab picked us up at Wired. And then someone at Gizmodo wrote about us. Um, and it started to pick up. And so we started to, we, sales started coming in. And what had happened is I had, uh, it, was, it was really born of not an idea that I had been thinking about. It was born out of a passion of a product I already saw that I liked, which was the iPad and then the, the, the book bindery style case. Uh, and, the, and it just kind of like came together one evening. We're just like, wait a minute, we could do this. And we could do this better, you know, because uh, typical entrepreneurs think they can always do it better. So I was thinking we can do this better or or different. So uh, when you saw that original yeah. Dodo case, you said yeah. like you saw an iPad, you said I like iPads. 
and you saw, and at the time, like that was very early. I don't know if that was the first gen or second gen iPad at that point. First gen. First. first gen. Okay, so very early on, where like when you first held a first held an iPad, it did have kind of a magical quality to it, where it's like it's just this big solid glass display that I can poke at. And at that right. time, like apps had really, like a lot of them had these very novel um, interfaces. It was actually it was pretty exciting. Um, only it was. Back, you know, six years ago, it seems like forever ago, and now we don't think twice about it. Um, but it was exciting. And then you had seen, you're right, it, uh, Dodo Case at San Francisco, who was using like traditional book, really, I mean, they were making cases using just traditional book binding um, techniques. Yep. techniques. Yep. And you're right, in the typical, the entrepreneurial mindset, you said, look, I, I could, I love both of these. Why can't I do this? Why not me? I think yeah. that's, that's often how businesses start is why not me? Yeah, um, and it didn't. It didn't have necessarily a logic behind it. It had a an opportunity, is what was seen. But here's the interesting thing. What happened was is that as Carrie and I started working on these products, all of a sudden there was there's something that connected for both of us, which was these devices by Apple are beautifully designed, made of aluminum and glass, steel, gorgeous, gorgeous finishes. But they lack warmth. Yeah, they're ultra modern, which they're, can yeah, often make them feel modern, cold. Which is fine, but we we love, and that's a huge passion of ours, is that we love traditional materials. So it wasn't just bookbindery, and that's why, um, you know, after the first two years of selling, I, I mean, we shipped about three thousand iPad cases out of my basement window hmm. uh, in the first nine months of the business. So what we were doing is we were having a bindery in Minneapolis make the books, and we were having a CNC maker make the wood, and we were they were putting it together for us, and then we would take it to our basement and do some finishing touches and ship them. So um, we, we continued our press push, and we, we constantly were reaching out to the press, coming out with new products. So we were in a never-ending cycle of creating new things. So we created a, a book-style case for a MacBook Air, uh, which was very unique to the market, and that got us a lot of pickup. And then um, we we just kept working through all these different all these different products. We d- did stuff for the Kindle at that time. This is again back in 2010 when the Kindle was pretty popular. Um, yeah, and then after about three or four thousand products, my wife was like, "I want the basement back." So <laughs> that's pretty much what happened. So we found a spot in Northeast Minneapolis, which is kind of an arts community. Uh, area of the of, of Minneapolis and downtown, and we we found a little spot there, and that's where we've been since. So we've been there since I think May of 2011. So what did you yeah. did you at all have a background in you know business entrepreneurship manufacturing? Did you have any unfair advantage or skills that you think played a played a part in the success, or at least were you, did you just have so much hubris? You said you know I think I could do this and then figure it out. Yeah, it's interesting you said unfair because I, I I mean that's an interesting term. Um, that it's unfair. I, I mean, I know what you mean. Like, did I have something that I could leverage that other people wouldn't typically have? Um, here's the thing. I had been a painting contractor. So I, I had done like wall painting, like house painting. Uh, I'd done that for 16 years. We had four kids. Uh, I didn't want to be a painter for the rest of my life. Uh, and in the last five years of my trades work, and this was my own company, and I, I had a couple of guys working for me. We were pretty small. Um, in the last five years, I got into more artistic designs. So I was doing a lot of like artisan finishes on walls and design work. Like French so was, plaster and that kind of thing? Yeah, okay. exactly. And, cool. I, and, and uh, Venetian plasters, all that stuff. Um, and, and what was interesting was 
I, I really enjoyed that part of it. I then um, got my four-year degree in those last five years. I got my four-year degree at night in psychology, ironically. Hmm. I had never finished my four-year. I went and got it, never used it. I think I decided at the end of my psychology degree that I, I couldn't listen to people that long. <laughs> so, uh, so, so I ended up um, not doing anything with that, but I took a job with a small tech startup So, because I, I wanted to get out of painting. I, I didn't... I didn't feel like I was using my skills the way I wanted to. So I took a risk and jumped into a small startup, which failed. It failed in about 18 months. It was a tech startup with a guy here locally. He was an inventor. It, it, it went poorly. And what happened was is that the idea for Patent Quill, the idea for me, like I didn't have any manufacturing background. But my time, those 18 months in that startup, taught me almost a master's level of, well, here's how you'd operationalize a product. Here's all the things you would need to make a product happen. And so I think Pat and Quill was kind of like my, a culmination of multiple life experience, running a painting company, being part of a small startup. It just kind of all came together, and I thought, I could do this, and here's how I'd do it. Um, and as I've moved you know, further away, I'm realizing I love design. You know, I, I have no background in actual design. I have no background in product design. Um, it was, it was very much self-taught, but it's, it's, it's following, I, I, am good at reading what people want to see in the market and then kind of taking it and putting my own flavor to it. Okay. Um, so you, you said, all right, so early on you started with, it starts with your passion and you've got, you know, you're using your, um, sounds like you have a passion for, for product design, which is great. It's yeah. so much easier to run a business when it's exciting to you versus like, you know, I'm just going to do this because it will sell. That's such a struggle. Um, and some people have the discipline to do it, but you know, I, I think it just, it makes life harder. Certainly easier if you enjoy the product. I, um, so you created this, uh, so you created the, these, uh, it's not, how, how many products did you launch with? Like within the first 12 two. months? Two. Oh, in 12 months. So you started with two. Started with two, and then we added some Kindle and then some MacBook products. So and they were all they're all variations on. They're essentially the same product in different form factors. Exactly, it was the same product uh, on the same theme. Uh, so then in 2011, you know, the iPad 2 came out, so that was a big lift for us. Um, and we became a competitor to Dodo Case, and there was another company I believe called Portenzo out there. Uh, at the time, and tree glue. There was a few other competitors doing what we were doing. Uh, but here's what happened, and this was a huge shift for us. In 2012, so I'm a good two years in, I was noticing that these books were falling apart. So what was happening is these books were made in traditional book bindery techniques using really good book material, but they were falling apart. And I was like, they look beautiful, but they don't last. And I, and I was realizing, like, this is a, you know, like, people love our product, they love our design, but I, I don't love that they don't last. And if you're cynical, you could say, well, that just means people will buy, you know, come back and buy another one. And my comment to that is, no, it means people will be disaffected by your brand. I agree. They'll say, they'll say your stuff isn't going to last. It is. It, I think the, the brands I've seen where the product is incredibly durable, where they're comfortable in giving, like, really outlandish warranties on it because it's so durable. Those right. are the brands where people, like, they don't have to worry about it falling apart and someone buying another one because people like it so much, they recommend it, 
and they often will buy multiples. And we've seen like uh, right. a good example would be well, there's a Reddit group I think called Buy It for Life where people just recommend products that they think will last a lifetime. And off oh, the top funny. of my yeah, and there's off the top of my head, and some are leather goods, um, but oftentimes we see like we see Saddleback leathers bags mentioned. Um, Beltman leather gun belts, which a gun belt okay. just turns out it's a very stiff belt. Um, yeah. I'm wearing yeah. one right now. It's a client. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, those are great. Um, yeah. And then uh, what's the other one? Uh, another good example. Oh, like we use Everest bands as an example. They make watch straps for Rolex. But out of this like unreal durable rubber where, I mean, the thing, like there, we had a review where someone said that they run it through an autoclave on a weekly basis and the thing's fine. So like, yeah, if you, yeah. and it doesn't hurt their sales, people buy multiple products. So no, I'm, I'm with you. No, and that's, and so what happened is in 2011, I said, that's it. It was about, it was late 2011. I said, we have got to shift to leather. We've just got to shift because I, 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 this is not a sustainable, we're, we're doing the e-commerce thing well. You know, by the way, we're not buying any ads from Google. For the first three years, we are we are existing purely on reaching out to the press with new products. So you any do. any press that'll listen to us, and you know, and press if you have something kind of sexy, they'll write about it. So and that's that would, a, that would I, bring in sales. I've got all right. That is a, a excellent point, but it's so difficult. So early mm-hmm. on, it's that the mm-hmm. only marketing you were doing were two things: PR and these these continuous launch cycles. So yep. you're coming out, you end up yep. kind of trapped in a thing where you're always launching new products. And that could be good or it can be a struggle. Um, it's a str- yeah, it's a little of both. It's a, a little, little both. both. Yep. Um, but it gives you a reason to keep reaching out to the press. And once I think you've gotten over that initial hurdle where they're interested in you and you start developing relationships, it helps. Right. But what do you think goes into, I mean, what makes a good press pitch? And Because this is so yeah. difficult. This is a good question. This is a good question. Um, two things. Be a, Be real. You know, don't don't sit there and try to don't try, talk to a press person like you're not pitching them. You are pitching them. But with that said, be brief. Okay, brevity is the soul of wit. Is a famous saying. I love that saying. It's very true. Be very brief in your communication. Send send a big fat image to the press. Make sure you're taking some photography of your product that looks nice. You know, pay, pay a photographer friend if you're just starting out to maybe give you a hand, because good imagery goes a goes a long ways in 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 a writer's mind. Because in the end, what what they what they're looking for is do do you are you offering me something my readers would care about? Is this interesting to my readers? Because if it's interesting, yeah, I'll write about it. I'll mention it. I'll tweet about it. So, um, be brief. Uh, be very uh, real. Just be open. Just say, hey, we're just starting out. We're a family business. We're making the, that's what we used to say. Our pitch was, hey, this is Brian from Pad and Quill. We're a small family business here in Minneapolis. We've got these beautiful new iPad cases we're just releasing. Here's some images. You know, thanks for any considerations if you cover us. I still say that same email, what I just said to you just now, today. <laughs> I, still, I still email that exact same way today when I'm emailing Wired. So. Yeah. That I'm yeah. sure it, it I'm sure it works. Um, I am on the, yeah. the receiving end of so many awful pitch emails and outreach yeah. emails that when someone when one comes through where it's like, all right, it's not it's not a giant wall of text. You know, it, it's brief, it's concise, yeah. uh, it's to the point. It tells me what the advantage to me and my audience is, and it it's not it's not trying to trick me 
or in any way mislead me and saying, hey, like, this is who I am. This is what I can offer your, you or your audience. And, you know, if you want to know more information, here's next steps. Right. And it's, right. it's genuine I, and real. It is. And I think that that has a huge benefit. Again, it's that whole idea of are you serving people? So I come from the place of serving my customers. If I serve my customers, then I'll be able to create an income for myself and my family. Um, if I serve my vendors by, by creating a customer base, then my vendors will be loyal to me and continue to make products on time because they know that I have a loyal customer base. If I'm going to the press, am I, am I, am I operating from a place of service? Am I, how am I serving the press person? Not using, serving. There's a huge difference between those two because in serving someone, you're saying, how can I help your um, column more interest, to be more interesting? It, would this be a way to do it? And the press person may say, no, this is not of interest to me right now, and that's fine. Um, but it's better to come from that perspective, more of humility, than to come from, you know, you should cover this. This is like, we have a lot of customers. You should cover, you know, our products. They last forever. <laughs> so that, that doesn't go very far um, with the press. And yeah, you know, it's funny. I, I want to, so I want to finish that pivot because you brought up a company I want to kind of tie you into. So in 2012, we wanted to move to leather goods. Uh, I wanted to get into more like leather cases. I wanted to make an iPhone case. We were making them at, at the time out of traditional book bindery material. They'd last, honestly, about nine months. We were charging like $50. And I'm thinking, that's too much money for something that falls apart. You know, how do we do this? Um, so I started reaching out to leather manufacturing companies. And I came across a company called Saddleback Leather Company. Oh, very good. And I hit up their PR guy and I said, hey, I want to do manufacturing. And they said no. And on the third time I kept coming back, they, they gave in. So uh, all of our, the majority, I should say all, the majority of our leather goods are made uh, by, the, by Saddleback's manufacturing. Uh, so Dave Munson's a good friend of mine. So <laughs> it, that developed over the last like four years from all this. So it's funny you brought up Saddleback because I was like, yep, that's, um, that's our people. <laughs> so, right. And, and, and that's the thing is that what I knew I needed, I don't want to make just a beautiful item. I have to make something that lasts and is durable. And we have been so thrilled to be working with Saddleback's team because it's, they, have a, they have a plant in Mexico that we use and it's just phenomenal. They treat their people really well. I've been there. I've seen what they do. Um, it, it's just, a, it's just a fantastic company, um, to work with. So, yeah, so that's who we use for all our leather. And so that happened in 2012 and we launched this little leather, uh, wallet case with them. And it was partly made here, actually. Some of it was made here. Some of it was made in Mexico. It was all brought to St. Paul and assembled. And that took off in 2012. We had a huge, huge, uh, sales cycle, our biggest year ever, um, in 2012, at and that is, time, this is just a leather wallet. This was your yeah. It was it was basically like a leather wallet case with our wood frame. We had our unique wood frame attached to all leather, so it was really durable. Um, and that started in 2012. It was featured in the New York Times in 2013. Um, we had a big year in 2013 and 14 because of it. So, 
yeah, iPhone cases were real good to us in the first those three years. And then in 2013, 14 is when we started developing our lifestyle line. So that's when we started bringing in bags. We started creating our, our, our first bag launch was in late 2013. I'm I'm admiring this uh, your classic journeyman leather wallet on your website. I gotta, I gotta oh, yeah. pick up one of the oh, and it even comes in different colors. Oh yeah. Oh, oh. the chest. Yeah. Yeah, if that chestnut looks familiar, um, you've seen it at Saddleback Leather. So, and I have no problem promoting Saddleback because honestly, they're it's a great company. Uh, we we're a different. Dave and I are different designer styles, uh, definitely. But um, he makes great bags. And I, yeah, yeah, I see right on here. It says 30-day money-back promise and 10-year leather guarantee. So yeah. tell me, was it scary to offer this kind of warranty? Yeah. Yeah, it always is. Um, it was funny because I had a guy I had a guy from Inc.com. I was doing an interview two years ago, and he asked me, why not lifetime warranty? Why 25? Uh, and I thought, it was a good question, and I thought, um, because lifetime is so cliched. Everyone says lifetime. But by putting 25 years, what I'm trying to say is it's going to last two and a half decades. Like, you're going to get a lot of use out of it. Uh, and by the time it lasts two and a half decades, you're probably going to want another one anyhow. You know, we'll have new stuff by then. Right. So it it definitely, I think I think we put a year around it because it... It, it, it gives it a definitive, like, wow, this is built to really last. Yes, it's built to last. Um, is it scary? Yeah, it is, because you do have things break. Hardware breaks, stitching fails. Uh, it happens from time to time. Um, we repair it and get and take care of it. But, um, yeah, it's not it, – put it this way, I, I don't feel nervous about the quality we're putting out, though. Does that make sense? We have a lot of confidence behind what we're doing. Right. If you're confident in it, it shouldn't be scary. If you believe yeah. in your product, you shouldn't be afraid of it. I mean, really, yeah. the fear is, will people abuse it? And you're always going to get someone who does. Yeah. I mean, we, we started coming out with uh, a book. We found, it, we found a book bindery material that lasts more than six months. We found one that lasts for years. Now, we put a one-year warranty on it. But it will last, we tell customers, it's a one-year warranty, but you'll have it for years. Because we found this really tough buckram that's really beautiful. Uh, it's used in the Library of Congress. That's what we wrap our iPad cases in. Hmm. So, yeah, so I mean, so for us, it's all about the materials. Will they last? You know, that's, so I guess I'm, you know, no, to answer the question, we're not, I'm not too worried because we're, we're trying to use the materials that will last. Right. So yeah. you've got, you know, you're in the process. Well, probably by the time this airs, maybe your, your Shopify store will have launched. Um, but hard to say. Hard to say. Maybe hard it has, maybe say, it hasn't. We actually see a delay coming because of, uh, and you can edit this out if you want, or keep it in. I don't care. We, 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 we may be unable to switch for at least a month or two because of a new iPad coming out in two oh. weeks. <laughs> cool. And because, because of that, we're going to have so much lift on the site. We are very hesitant to sh shift platforms until the sales calm down. So what platform uh, are you on now? Uh, Magento. And you're switching to Shopify Plus. Tell Thank me God. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> what, what happened? Why are you doing that? We, we were told early on, I had you know, talked to a consulting group, and they said, oh, you should be on Magento. It's scalable. You can customize. All true. All true. Uh, I... I I call Magento kind of like the PC, and Shopify is kind of like a Mac. Hmm. 
that's how I see the two. I mean, you can do a lot of customization on Shopify, but it's very plug-and-play friendly. And for the entrepreneur who wants to start a company, you, you, the last thing you want is to be figuring out how many hours you can pay a $150 an hour developer. Because if you have a Magento site, that's what you're doing all the time. You're paying a developer constantly for the smallest changes. Right. Whereas on Shopify, you have App Store, you have plugins. You know, if you you know, we're of course with our, with what we're doing, we're asking for develop, we're paying developers to help us with small projects here and there. But for the most part, it's it's a really uh, a lot easier to assemble a Shopify site. Uh, Magento is definitely customizable, but boy, you better have Magento Pro engineers who are doing all your coding, and they have to do all your maintenance, manage all your plugins. If you have conflicts with your plugins. That's up to you to figure it out. Uh, Shopify does all that for you. They do that thinking for you. So right. uh, that's something that is a huge benefit to us. So we're yeah, that's it was it was we were debating Magento 2.0 last year or Shopify, and came down on Shopify. So what was the what was the straw that broke the camel's back where you said, all right, it's time to make the switch because it's it is not an easy task to change platforms when you've got an existing running business. It's not. I, I think a couple things. One, we 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 designed this site about three to four years ago. It was starting to feel three to four years old. The current site at, at uh, PattonQuill.com, if you go there, it's right now. It's it's three to four years old design, and we're kind of you know what we need to clean, make this a little cleaner. Uh, we've moved more into a luxury lifestyle brand. We want to even display more large imagery about our lifestyle and what we do what we love. So that was that was kind of the impetus to go, okay, what what you know, what platform do we want to do we want we were thinking originally Magento 2.0 and then we started considering just how much technical work was required. And that's when we reached out to Shopify and it was a pretty easy sale. Because we were <laughs> like, sounds good. I mean we pay a certain fee. We're on Shopify. What's it called? Shopify Plus? Shopify Plus. Yeah, so we're paying a fee, but that's like, I already pay that fee with a developer right now to guarantee 99.9% uptime. Right. I have, yeah. to, I have to pay someone that right now. Yeah, the, the thing you're trading, is, like often to, it's, it's very, it's interesting to sell, you know, trying to explain the benefits and the, the value proposition of Shopify Plus to an existing Shopify store owner. And they're like, all right, you have to, you know, you have to figure out like, what's the pain or problem you're facing and the sell Shopify Plus will solve it versus, when someone is on Magento and they're looking at switching and you go, well, you're no longer, you don't worry about, you know, for one flat fee, someone else is going to manage and you never worry about hosting, uptime, updates, security, all of right. that goes away and support. Right. And they're like, it just becomes a no brainer. And we've had security issues. Just it's... being open with you. We've had sh some security issues pop up because of outdated plugins. Right. And, and there's like those fears. Stuff. Oh, and it was like an outdated plugin in a blog. Yeah. on our Geno site, and someone had gotten in the, through the back door, and we caught it, fixed it, but it was one of these things where we're like, okay, Shopify does all that for us. Yeah, I, I mean, I have n literally yeah. never seen a security vulnerability like that happen on Shopify, whereas previously we did a lot of WordPress development work, and that was like a constant, constant battle, <laughs> trying right. to keep those things locked down. Yeah. And that's the last thing you need to be worrying about. Yeah, right? it's just such I mean, an unnecessary... When you're designing products, you're trying to. Because what am I? What am I? I'm a designer, 
I'm a salesman. I'm a community developer. Like we have a family of customers. That's where our focus needs to be, you know, not on on security issues on the site. So because we're we're ninety, you know, ninety eight percent of our revenue comes from e commerce, our store. Hmm. So that's excellent. yeah, we're yeah, we don't we are not in wholesale. We're we're very much like Saddleback. We're we're e commerce only. So, so you know, we're we're coming to the end of our time together. You have had a, a long, successful, and, and wonderful journey over the last seven years. What are, uh, what are some of the, the things you would, you've learned that you would go back tell yourself when you were starting out? Oh, that's a great question. That's, did I tell you to ask me that question? <laughs> that's, a, that's a good one. Um, no, that, no. You said, uh, a, you said what three things have you learned building a brand? So, yeah. I would say, I would say this. Um, if, you have a, if you have a product you're making that's starting to sell, and it's selling pretty well, and you love making that product and other products like it, whatever the field is, whatever you do, be very careful to, to not listen to consultants too much. There, there is wisdom in a host of counselors. There really is. But in the end, your passion has to be from you about what you want to sell and bring to your, to your customers. So be careful how much you listen to consultants. I did a lot of consultant listening early on. Um, that I wouldn't do now. Uh, I, I would just be who I am. And the more, the, the more that Carrie and I have just been who we are as a couple in this business, the more success we've seen. The more we have followed what other told, people have told us, well, that's, you're, big, you're getting big now. You, know, you really need to think about strategic changes. Those have been disasters. Not disasters, that's a heavy word. Those have not been fruitful. So be who you are. Um, you know, to the degree that you can do something you love is a, is a huge blessing. It really is. Uh, that's not, not everyone gets that opportunity. I mean, like I said, I was painting for 17 years. I, I was thankful I was able to bring in an income, but I didn't really enjoy painting. Um, but I was, you know, it's so, so where you can match a passion or a desire to income, it's awesome. But it's not, I don't think it's something ever you can always do. Does that make sense? No, absolutely. I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to paint a rosy picture here because it's it's pretty hard to do that. Um, so I think it, it comes down yeah. to uh, having an authentic voice. You know, being being true to yourself, being true to your yep. brand. Yeah. Um, and first, you know, the hard part is is figuring out what that voice and brand are, and then letting that show through. Every time, um, you know, every time I've I've been scared to include more of my personality in my my marketing and my work. It has always paid off. You know, people like having that authentic voice, and that's what part of the podcast is. I mean, I'm myself right. on the show, and then, but you know, by the time someone says, "Hey, Kurt, you, can we work together on this?" and we get on the phone, like I feel like I already know you. Yeah, because the whole time I've been myself, and that's so important. Right, that is so important. It is so important, and I. Plus, you'll just be happier with yourself at the end of the day. It's because you've been true to yourself, even if the business doesn't work out. You just no guarantee any of these businesses will succeed, right? No, but yeah, at the end not. of the it's day, always a risk. If, if they fail, you were you yourself? Were you trying to be yourself? Yeah. So and, Brian, and a good, you know, a good entrepreneur gets back up and says, "Okay, what can I do next?" Yeah, you learn from it, no. you move on, yep. Um, yep. and try the next thing. So, right. Brian, where could people go to learn more about you? Yeah, so the best place to learn about us is at www.padandquill.com. So that's our website. 
Uh, click on About Us if you want to see our story in more detail. That's at the bottom of the page, About Us. Um, you'll see a picture of Carrie and I, and, and there's kind of our story and kind of what drives us, our passion, uh, is very interesting as well. So uh, also, coupon code. We have a coupon code for your listeners. Wonderful. So be happy. So the letter B and then happy, H-A-P-P-Y, number 10, just one zero. And that's 10% off anything, any product, including bags, leather bags. Well. And they are beautiful bags, 10%. Thank you. Thank you. I have, all right, I wrote that down. I will include it in the show notes for folks. Um, cool. Brian, thank you for everything. I, I appreciate it. Yeah, Kurt, thanks so much for having us on and uh, wish you best with your success in your podcast. Thank you. That's all for us today at the Unofficial Shopify Podcast. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode. So please join our Facebook group, the Unofficial Shopify Podcast Insiders, and let me know. Or sign up for my newsletter, kurtelster.com. Shoot me an email. Either way, you'll be notified whenever a new episode goes live. And of course, if you'd like to work with me on your next Shopify project, you can apply at ethercycle.com. As always, thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week. Our program was produced today by Paul Rita. The unofficial Shopify podcast is distributed by EtherCycle LLC. We'll be back next week with more value bombs for Shopify store owners. If you're looking for more high-quality and actionable advice on learning the business of e-commerce, join thousands of other Shopify store owners on our totally free newsletter at eCommerce Bootcamp. That's eCommerce-Bootcamp.com.